Let us pray together. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask for your holy presence among us today and now. I pray, my Father, that you would have your word be clear to us. I pray that our hearts and minds and souls be open to it. My Father, speak to us. Speak to us your word. And let it glorify you, Father God. And let it awaken us, O Lord. To true worship and true spirituality and true religion. Be exalted, O God, in all that we do here today and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I invite you, if you like, to open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We have been in Matthew throughout this year. Uh, if you have your Bibles, do that. If you want to use the insert in your bulletins, that's fine as well. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13. And um, more, than, more than preaching to you, I suppose, I really would like us to together journey into, into this parable that we are looking at today. Uh, what's called the parable of the sower, or sometimes it has been called the parable of the four soils, or the four grounds, has been called both ways. You know, if, if you've studied the Bible for a while, you know that Jesus uh, loved teaching in parables. Uh, it, it was a way that teachers taught at the time. It wasn't just Jesus. Some rabbis also uh, taught by using parables. A parable is, is a story, but it's a story that differs from, from fables, for example, which are unreal. Parables tend to be stories that are taken from everyday life. They're, they're examples that Jesus would take from people's everyday life, the kind of things that they did daily, whether it was fishing or sowing or whatever else. It was when he speaks about sheep, uh, certainly people could understand the details of what he was talking about. So parables are stories that Jesus took from everyday life, but that were intended to teach something um, that was very important for the people. So there were stories with a meaning, stories with a purpose. And the thing about stories that make it so, so beautiful, different from, let's say, preaching or teaching, stories draw you in. Right? Stories tend to 
you, 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 you tend to go into the story and you tend to perhaps even place yourself and see yourself in the story and ask yourself the question, if I were doing that, is that what I'd be doing? But you would see yourself in the story. The other thing about stories is that stories sometimes stay with you a lot longer than, let's say, teaching or preaching. Stories kind of find a place in your heart and in your mind, and they somehow get recorded. I am sure that a lot of you can remember stories that perhaps you've even heard in your childhood. I certainly remember being a child back in Cuba and being sick. I'll never forget those days, being sick, being in bed, and my mother sitting by my side on the bed telling me all kinds of stories. And I'll never forget those days. I was just a young child, and she would tell me the story of the Titanic. She would tell me the story of Lindbergh. I'll never forget the first time I heard about these things were from my mother. And those are things that somehow find a place within you. And I wonder how many of you have told stories to your children. Even fairy tales. How many of you have told stories? How, how marvelous is that some stories that get on Facebook, they get shared right away. Stories, more than just teachings or, or phrases. It's like people just love to share stories. They are funny, they are wonderful, and people enjoy a good story. Especially a story that has a purpose and a meaning in it. And Jesus loved to tell stories, and this section that we're beginning now with chapter 13 of Matthew... We're going to be looking at a number of parables, which is the way that the Bible calls them parables, are these stories. They're, they're living examples of things that people could relate to. And we're going to be looking in particular today, uh, there are seven parables in this one chapter alone. And I think as we continue grow, going through through chapter 13, we're going to be dealing with, with a number of these parables. And Jesus, what we hear or what we read as we begin to, to read uh, chapter 13 of Matthew, uh, we find out that Jesus is in the north. Jesus is in the area of Galilee. He hasn't come down yet to Jerusalem, really, for any ministry, according to Matthew. He is up in the northern side of the area, by the Sea of Galilee. And there's a city on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Galilee, which is a city called Capernaum. And Capernaum is where Peter seemed to have had a house. Or a home where Jesus healed his mother-in-law. If you all remember that. So there seems to be a house there in Capernaum that Jesus used to use kind of as a hub for ministry. From that house he went all over the place. And then when he finished ministry anywhere, he somehow always ended up back at the house. 
And if you've read the first 12 chapters, you see Jesus doing a lot of ministry. But as we come to the end of chapter 12, when his family comes to see him, they come to a house in Capernaum. And so as we begin chapter 13, we are told that Jesus left the house. And we have to assume that it's the house that was Peter's house in Capernaum. And he goes over to the shores of the Lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. And as he goes to the shore of the Lake of Galilee, a large multitude of people begin to kind of surround him everywhere. People want to hear what Jesus had to say. And so it says, as we begin chapter 13, that a large multitude of people came around him. And I suppose they just surrounded him. And, you know, whichever way he turned, there were people just wanting to get close to him. Some wanted to listen. Some probably came with a need. Others just came to touch him, period. Or to just witness who this guy is, that the news of him is going all over the place. And we're told that Jesus sees a boat there by the shore of the lake. And he gets into the boat, probably belonging to one of the fishermen, maybe Peter, maybe somebody else. And he pulls out from shore a little bit. He sits down, because it used to be in uh, those times that the teacher always taught sitting down while the multitude would remain standing. Later that changed and the, the, the hearers would sit and the, the speaker would stand up. But at the time of Jesus, we find that he sat down, which was a sign of his authority, that he got to sit down. And then in the shore, now he has all this large multitude of people just looking one way, just like you are doing right now with me. And he pulls out on the boat, sits down, and he begins to teach them. And he begins by teaching this parable of the sower. Now the thing that, that is of interest and, and must you must consider it because it's very, very important is that the parable is the parable, uh, as I said before, about four types of soil or four types of ground. The reality is that sometimes we read the parable and we read about the sower sowed and it almost feels like he's sowing four different times. In reality, what we're looking at is Jesus is addressing a large multitude and he's basically, this is what I want you to remember, the four types of soils are there in the multitude. Those that are hearing Jesus, there are different types of people and different types of learners and different types of hearers in that multitude. So that what Jesus is doing as he is teaching, he's giving them the word of God and it falls upon each person depending on where the heart of that person is. It's not four different types of teaching. It's one teaching, one sower, but four different types of hearers. Just like now. When we look at the parable, we need to say clearly that Jesus is the sower. 
Amen? That's, that's very clear. Jesus is the sower. Just like I'm the sower today. I'm sowing the seed of the Word of God to you. And I am very aware that each of you will receive it differently one from the other. See, I'm not responsible for how you receive it. I'm responsible for giving it to you. And as Jesus is sowing, He is the sower, and the seed is the message of the kingdom of God. The seed that Jesus is sowing is the gospel. What is the gospel? What is this seed? This seed is an invitation from Almighty God for all human beings to come into the kingdom. The seed that Jesus is sowing is the fact that there is a king and there is no other like him. And that king so loved the world that he's giving his only begotten son. That whoever comes to faith in him would have entrance into the kingdom. The seed is a message that is being sown on people and people need to respond to that seed. It'll either grow and create a fruitful plant or it will create a plant that dies. But the sower has the responsibility of sowing. And the seed is given to everybody the same. But some of the seed falls one place and another of the seed falls in another. So Jesus is painting a word picture of going through a field, perhaps with a bag full of seed, and taking seed and throwing it around. Or maybe both hands, and just throwing it in the field. And so Jesus says this, as we get into the into the parable, and I hope that you will get into it with me. Don't just let me preach at you. Um, Get into it. Ask yourself, what is this about? What is Jesus saying? How do I find myself in this story? Because Jesus intends for you to get a powerful teaching from this parable. So he begins by saying that a sower went out to sow, and that some of the seed fell by the wayside or by the path. And that as that seed fell on the path, the birds of the air came and just ate it up. So the seed really didn't even have a chance to get in. But the reason the seed didn't have a chance to get in is that that path that Jesus is considering, and it may be path between, between fields, and this field may be planted with one thing, and that field with another. Or, or perhaps they're just in different sections, so that when pruning time comes, you can go through the path and get to the actual plant. It's not just one big field, but there's probably paths inside of the field, and of course there is the outer field. And the more that people or workers or even the sower walks through that, those paths... That wherever his feet walk through and throats, that, that ground gets hard, rather, doesn't it? It gets compact. 
The more you press on it, the more you walk on it, the ground gets hard. And it's not a place where he would till that place, because that's the pathway. And he needs that pathway to get to the plant, to check the irrigation, uh, irrigation system, to check the, uh, how the plant is being nourished, to, uh, to get to animals that may be getting into the, into the plants. And the more he walks on it, the more that that ground gets hard. No wonder when the seed falls in it, because the ground is hard, it doesn't penetrate. It just stays in the surface. And the birds, who always love seed, because when I plant in my house uh, sod and things like that, uh, but believe me, birds visit me quite often, because they love the seed. And so the bird would come and eat up the seed, and so the seed, who had a tremendous potential, is actually picked off, and, and it doesn't go anywhere. And what Jesus is saying is that among that great multitude of people that hear the gospel, there are some people who come perhaps brought by somebody else, but sometimes they really don't even want to be there. They don't want to be there. They're coming for whatever reasons that I don't know about. This is the kind of people that, that come to church and they already come with a predisposed idea. I hope this service is short so we can get out as soon as possible. <laughs> they don't come with the idea, I'm going to hear the Word of God and the Word of God is going to have fruit in me and the Word of God is going to bless me. I'm hungry for God's Word and I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for, for music that elevates my spirit. These are people who come and they already have plans after the service and they really want the service done quickly and they're watching the, the clock just to see whether the preacher goes too long. This is the, the people that, that criticize the preacher, criticize the music, criticize the building and criticize the pews. This is the people that I don't know why they even come. Not just to this church, but to a gathering where the sermons are being preached and the word is being preached. Because their heart is hardened. It's compact. It's hard. This is the kind of people that would say, I hear, but I don't listen. I don't want any preacher, including Jesus, to tell me that I'm a sinner. I refuse it. And if I accept that I'm a sinner, I still don't care. I'm going to keep doing whatever I'm doing, and I don't care what the Word says. That's just a book written by men, and, and I'm not going to listen to it. These are individuals who are already closed. They're hardened. They're not interested really in listening. They're not interested in the Word. They're here for some other reason. I don't know what that reason might be. But how many times sometimes we invite people to church and they already, they really don't want to be there. These are people who do not have any interest in giving control over to Jesus. 
They, they do not want anybody controlling their life. They don't want anybody teaching them uh, that they should live differently. They are hardened on their way. And it doesn't matter how many times they hear the word. They're just not going to react to it. That word is not going to have an effect. And you know what happens is Satan loves it. And whatever little seed might have gotten in the ear, Satan somehow figures out a way of picking it out. And he emphasizes then the things that he wants to emphasize in that person. And so when, when the heart is hardened and shut down and I don't want to listen to anybody else, I know the way and I know my own way, my own agenda and all of that, the Word of God has very poor chance of creating a plant that produces the kind of fruit that Jesus is looking to. And then the second one, he says that the sower went out to sow and some of the seed fell on rocky ground. Now the, the land of Israel and the land of Palestine has areas that are extremely fertile. But you have to remember that Jerusalem is built on a mountain. It's, it's, it's a ridge, it's a mountain. And Zion is Mount Zion. That's why it's called Mount Zion. The highest point is the Temple Mount. All that area tends to be rocky. But even if there is a layer of soil, underneath there's rock. So Jesus says that sometimes in this field that is being sown, the, the word is being sown, sometimes a seed falls in, in, in places that seems to have a veneer or seems to have a, a light top of soil, but underneath is rocky. So that when the seed falls in that place, it immediately goes down, but it finds no way to go. There's no root system. There's no water system. There's no nourishment because it's rocky underneath. And it immediately springs up. But because it has no foundation, the sun comes and beats it and scorches it. Because it has no strength, no foundation. And that's the kind of person that is listening to Jesus as he preaches from the boat, and listens in a crowd, and, and at the beginning they get this real nice sense of, of the love of God. They feel, they feel wonderful. They feel that the Word of God is, is amazing. They feel that, that, boy, I feel really good with this that I'm being told. I'm being told that God loves me. My sins are forgiven. There is a hope and a heaven. There's healing in Jesus. That there's this feeling and these nice things. But the moment that person that has gotten so initially excited leaves the church... They find out there the same problems that were there before they came into the church. They didn't go away. And because there is not enough understanding of the word and commitment to the word, the moment the world gets a hold of some people, people give up on the gospel. And then they say, you see, I tried church, but it didn't work. You go back to your job problems. You go back to your family problems. You go back to your marriage problems. You go back to the world beating up on believers. You go back to friends 
whom you may lose or who make fun of you, fun of you because of your faith. You go back to a world that is unkind to believers. And whatever got sown in you at that rally or at that big event or at that church and that made you feel fantastic, made you feel warm and made you feel loved and made you feel cared, all of a sudden it's like, it disappears. Because there's no, no foundation. You didn't even give it a chance. The commitment was shallow. The commitment was more a feeling than it was a commitment. And, and, and in a way, that's what Jesus is saying. In that multitude, there are some people that are going to feel nice and warm and, and, and fantastic. But the moment they go home, whatever I have said to them today, is you're going to get picked off. He says, I, I know. In every multitude, there's these people. And he says, then the third kind of field is the field that where the seed falls, but it's a field that is full of thorns. Now, I got to tell you this. If thorns can grow, plants can grow. Okay? The potential of that seed to penetrate the ground. Thorns, like bad weed, they go fast. They grow fast. Anywhere, any, listen, there's a place in my yard. I don't want certain weeds. I don't care what I've done to it. That thing is coming back. We've burned it, we've taken the ground out, we've resodded it. That thing keeps growing the same back. Doesn't matter what my gardener says to do. It just doesn't work. Some of these weed and thorns, they just grow whether you water them or not. They just grow and they're there. And the issue with that type of ground is that if the other one, the rocky one, was about external things, the thorn-filled ground has to do with internal things. You see, what's happening to that ground is competition. The thorns are competing with the plant that is just being planted. And the moment the seed is sown... Because there is some nice piece of, of, of soil there, some nice soil, just like the thorns grow. The plant begins to grow and it gets root and it begins to grow. But the moment it does, the thorns begin to compete with it and co- begin to choke the plant. Because they're both competing for the same piece of ground. They're both competing for the same water. They're both competing for the same nourishment. They're both competing for life. And they choke the young plant that is just beginning, and these thorns come and they choke it. And that's the kind of person that comes to the Lord and hears the word of God, but there's other kings in his heart, or her heart. There's other things already occupying the place where authority happens, where decisions happen, where desire for Christ grows, where commitment is, when there's other things in your heart that you're not willing to give up, those are going to be always in competition with the Word of God as it is planted in your heart. One of the things that have to happen when you, when you plant in a field is you're going to have to get rid of the, of the old plants sometimes so that the new one can have complete access to, to all the ground. 
And what happens in people's life, and I, I've seen this in many, many, many believers, and I probably have seen it in myself as well. We come to church, we say we're Christians, but when we go out there, we don't behave as Christians. There are innumerable number of people who feel that they can be Christians because they're accepting doctrine when they're not applying the doctrine. They're not living like believers. They may feel they're Christians because they can say, I believe in Jesus, but Jesus is not their Lord. Jesus is not their boss. Jesus is not the head of that person's life. There's other things that are competing with Jesus, and Jesus loses out at times. You understand what I'm saying? There's thorns in our lives that we need to eradicate so that the kingdom of God has no competitor in our lives. No competitor. We need to make Jesus complete king of our lives. And that's that kind of ground. It's, it's fertile. It's good. It can, the plant can grow. But the reality is because it's choked as it begins to come up, the plant doesn't go anywhere. One of the things to notice in this parable is that there seems to be a progression. The first one is hard and nothing penetrates. The second ground, it penetrates a little bit and then it burns out. The third, it penetrates more, but it gets choked. And then in the fourth ground, Jesus says there are those in whom the Word of God finds an, a, a, an agreeable field, a heart that is open, a life that is ready to make changes. And let me tell you, a plant doesn't grow overnight. It takes time to grow a plant. And it takes time to, to grow into a mature believer. But it all begins by accepting the Word, committing to the Lord, and giving your life over to Him, and be willing to follow Him, even when the world is against you, even when the flesh is against you, even when everything within you is against the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There needs to be no competitor in our homes, in our lives, in our hearts. And it begins in our hearts, because if it's not in our hearts, it's not going to be in our homes. So he says, the sower went out to sow, and some of the seed fell on good ground with great potential for a marvelous harvest. But there were other kings already in that person's life. Addictions. Stuff that happens in our lives, I don't need to, be, you know, I don't need to give you examples. But if you are a believer, you need to live like a believer. You need to. And, and it doesn't mean that you don't fall at times. But it means that you get up and you dust yourself off. And Jesus is Lord and nobody else. Otherwise, you're just playing a very dangerous game with your salvation. And then, of course, there is the fourth field that Jesus says that the plant, the seed was sown... And it produced a tremendous harvest. It produced and it was fruitful. And that's the kind of field 
that the Lord is actually looking for. The potential of the whole harvest was amazing, but only some of it worked and some of it didn't. The character, the character of the person determines the fruitfulness of the gospel in that person. You hear me? The character of that person will determine the effect of the gospel in that person. Now the sower has to sow. The sower cannot say, oh, unless I have a great field, I'm not going to sow anything. Because, because that's not how it works. Our responsibility and the responsibility of Jesus is to be at the boat and preach the word, knowing that among that group there were going to be Pharisees, there were going to be Sadducees, there were going to be people there that were coming only out of curiosity. There were going to be people there who were going to receive the word and then go home. And, and because of persecution, because of the word, they were going to give it up. They weren't going to become disciples, not permanent ones. But he also knew that there were some people in whom the word of God were going to have an amazing effect. And those are the people that were going to change the world. And so Jesus preaches the word. And I think it's an encouragement to me. As a, as a sword and a preacher. That I have to finish my career by knowing that I've given you my best. What you've done, what you do with the seed is up to you. But my job is to give you the seed. As often as possible to nourish it in you. To strengthen you as a plan. To challenge you and prune you when necessary. That's what my job is. But I don't have control over what you do when you leave here. You have to decide what kind of ground you're going to be. Are you going to be hardened? Are you going to be only momentarily when we are together? Are you going to let things of your life that you haven't dealt with choke the word? Or are you going to be the kind of field that you embrace the word of God, embrace the message of the kingdom, and, and change your life over to the Lord at whatever cost, because He's worth it. And because the message of salvation and reconciliation with God is more important than the message of the world. A sower went out to sow. And let me tell you, I said that I'm a sower. When you live here, you're going to be sowers. Because if you love the Lord, you're going to be sowing in somebody else's life. We are all sent into the world with the, with the seed of God's message. You are sent into the world with the seed of the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ with a job to sow places where I can't reach. And you need to know that some of your hearers will hear and listen and fall in love with Jesus and others just won't. But it doesn't mean you give up sowing. A sower went out to sow. And he sowed the seed in the multitude of people that were there. And let me tell you, Jesus has received for the last 2,000 years a great harvest of souls all over the world. And we should focus on the great things the church has done. 
And the numbers of people who have turned their lives over and have salvation today because you dare to sow into their lives in love and with love. You should never give up sowing. And I will not give up sowing because Jesus has continued to sow into my life. I'm not only a sower, I'm the ground. And I have to decide every day as I read the Word whether I'm going to let it affect me or not. Whether I'm going to embrace it or reject it. Whether I'm open or whether I am my own person that will decide what I accept and what I don't accept. The Word of God is one. The seed was one. All all of the fields all heard the, the same Word all received the same seed, they not all accepted the seed. And then there was the harvest and a great fruitfulness from those trees that grew up and became strong and bore fruit for the Lord. You hear me? That's the parable of the sower. That's the parable of the sower. You decide today what you're going to do with the seed as it is planted in your heart. Because there will be no excuse at the end whether you were fruitful or not. You decide. But the sower has to sow. Stand with me.